Hey, welcome. Carm Capriato here with Derek Kaufman on Remarkable Results Radio's episode 529. Derek is back for another wide-open discussion on battery electric vehicles, BEVs. Now, he's done the research, and he serves up a slice of the impending future. It's a must-listen. You know, their pickup truck can power their tools uh, for the job. Uh, You know, they're going to make BEVs really multidimensional. And uh, I think that's, I think it's a turning point. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hi, friends. Carm Caprietto here, the Automotive Aftermarket Podcast Guy. Now, look, see if you can buy into this 30-minute interview with Derek Kaufman. You'll learn about electric vehicle market share, what OEs are doing to introduce BEVs into other countries, and why the U.S. has been lagging other countries. Derek also talks about electric technology and that just one year ago, we were talking about vehicle manufacturers investing a combined $90 billion in BEV programs, and the latest number is something like $300 billion, led by Volkswagen. I know you're going to love this interview. Hey, Remarkable Results Radio has been so proud to partner with Napa Auto Care, and I hope by now you've heard that the Napa Expo has been officially rescheduled. During February 1st through the 4th, 2021, Las Vegas will be painted blue and gold as Team Napa puts on the fabulous event planned prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, Napa wants to thank everyone for understanding the event postponement, and they sent their well wishes to you and your families. Rest assured, Team Napa is as energized and invested as ever in Napa Expo, and we look forward to hosting you in February 2021. Hey, don't forget that all the episodes we've done regarding aftermarket conditions and survival in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic are listed and collected in one place on the homepage. Can't miss it. It's all in red. And they'll be there until we are beyond these unprecedented times. Many panel discussions and podcasts to help you along the way. And no doubt it's time to rethink stuff. Also find links to forums and government agencies there, too. Yeah, I had a chance to be in the audience when Derek Kaufman presented a talk on the future of battery electric vehicles. It was at the Morgan Stanley HQ in New York City and co-sponsored by Schwartz Advisors. Now, Derek is a managing partner at Schwartz Advisors, and he's been a great contributor to the podcast. His episodes are a must-listen. He was kind enough to bring the highlights of this talk on battery electric vehicles to you. Derek Kaufman will open your eyes and your mind and help shape the future of the aftermarket for at least the next 20 years. Now, you need to know this information to keep up with technology and plan for the future, as I said, and learn as much as you can about the future of battery electric vehicles versus the internal combustion engine. Find Derek Kaufman's bio, this episode's talking points, which will make a great meeting agenda at remarkableresults.biz E529. Hey, Derek Kaufman explains a little on hydrogen cars, tech breakthroughs on batteries and recharging, and he'll share the future with car makers Rivian, Boynton, and of course, he'll talk about Tesla. Hey, a warm welcome to Derek Kaufman from Schwartz Advisors. Now, you know, back in February, I attended an aftermarket conference hosted by Morgan Stanley and Schwartz Advisors, and it was a great day, just a great day, offering a lot of good information on both the future challenges and the opportunities we all see as the 
future unfolds. Now, one of the presenters that day was Derek Kaufman, managing partner at Schwartz Advisors. Now, Derek puts a lot of time into staying current on the latest technology trends of our industry. I admire him for that. And I knew that after hearing his presentation that I had just to get him on the podcast to share with you and to talk about some of his findings. So lucky for us, today we're going to talk about how Derek sees the evolution of the electric vehicle in the aftermarket. Important topic. Hey, Derek, great to have you with us. Carm, thanks. It's always always great to be with you. Yeah, same here, man. Hey, thanks. Appreciate all you've done for the podcast. Now, maybe before we dive in, I'll ask you just to give us a sense check of where the U.S. market is on electric drive cars today. And as you talk about that, I'll ask you to give us some quick definitions of the type of electric cars that we're talking about. I appreciate that, Carm, because it, it drives me crazy to hear conversations that, uh, you know, people are talking about electric cars or they talk about EVs and they're lumping in battery electric vehicles and plug-ins, you know, mild hybrids, micro hybrids. So you got to get, uh, you know, a little bit more granular here about what's going on so that everybody's on the same page of what type of vehicle that, that we're talking about. So I I kind of break things into four categories. There's BEVs, which are battery electric vehicles, only only batteries and motors on the car, no internal combustion engine at all. Then there are plug-in hybrids, and they tend to be a larger battery pack that you can charge by itself. It will propel the car on battery power for a certain number of miles. You know, typically it's it's pretty low. It's like, you know, 40 miles or something like that. Um but, you know, plug-in hybrids are a, a category. And then there are just hybrids. And they're, I kind of split those into two, uh, mild and, and, and micro. And it's, it's all about the size of the battery pack. So uh, a mild one are, has a battery pack that's big enough to add some power to what the internal combustion engine is doing. Uh, and the micro is like a stop-start system uh, where, you know, all the battery is really doing is uh, bringing the engine back to life at, that, uh, at the intersection. So, you know, so you asked about, uh, you know, how it's, how it's growing. Uh, as I talk, I'm, I'm going to talk today just about BEVs, just battery electric vehicles. So we're kind of, you know, pure on that, on that point. Okay. So if we go back to last year, full 2019, about 2.1% of our sales were full BEVs in the United States. And I always like to put that in perspective uh, with the world. So uh, the number one country in the world was Norway, uh, and they're at 49% electric drive cars, um, which is a very strong market. And I think uh, I, I'm reasonably sure that after California, that, that Norway is Tesla's, uh, you know, number two market. Uh, number two country was actually Iceland. So you went from 49% in Norway uh, down to 19% in Iceland. And then for number three, you fall all the way down to 8.2% for Sweden. And everybody talks about you know, China, but, uh, and they are you know, obviously driving very hard for BEVs, but they were only at about 4.2% new car sales last year. So it's interesting to note that um, you, you think about the sales in the United States, but if California was its own country. Yeah, that's a cool idea, the thought. <laughs> always, always say that it is its own country, right? 
they would be right there with Sweden because about 8% of sales in 2019 were, uh, were California. So we had a, a Schwartz Advisors uh, meeting when we could still get together this year. Uh, so back in February, we were in San Diego and um, where uh, Rick is headquartered. Uh, and uh, it is amazing out there that you, you would think as you're driving around San Diego that, that Tesla has a 30% market share. It just seems like they're everywhere. And if you, know, if you go north, it's, it seems uh, you know, even more. So, um, you know, California kind of stands by itself, and then the balance of the U.S. is is really low. So that's for new car sales. And then, of course, we're talking about the aftermarket here. So we we think about how do these cars come through the the dealer warranty period and the lease period or whatever and actually show up in shops in in a material way. So, you know, I showed charts at that Morgan Stanley conference that showed that only about 0.22% of the cars and shops today are, are BEVs. And we, we project that that only grows uh, to about 4% in the, uh, the next 10 years. Um, but I think you need to take the, you know, the coasts into account. So if, you're, if your shop's in California, you know, your BEV impact's going to be faster and higher than a shop in uh, Des Moines. No, no doubt. So, so project it out for us, Derek. How do you see BEVs growing in the next decade or so? It's a good question. And I think that I, mean, I want to think globally uh, and kind of do it by, by region. Okay. So the, the European Union is driving a lot of the, uh, of the action on electric drive. You know, China put this edict out. Uh, that you had to have a certain percentage. It's, this year, it was 12% of your uh, cars that you sold into China needed to be full BEVs if you're going to sell anything else. But it's actually the European Union, I think, that, that's driving the move toward uh, electric drive. And what they did is they they put together a, uh, an emission uh, regulation that said that uh, you, you can only emit 95 grams per kilometer CO2 emission. Uh, and... That means that everybody selling cars into Europe now has to rush to add BEVs to their product lines so they can, you know, kind of sell the balance of their product lines. The problem is that you have BMW and Audi and and, and uh, Daimler and uh, Volkswagen all rushing now to, to add BEVs to their product line, but their customers aren't kind of playing ball. Uh, they continue, you know, to to buy their AMGs and go blasting down the Autobahn in, in internal combustion engine cars. And uh, of all ironies, uh, Europe's beginning to look at more SUVs uh, and, you know, t- kind of taking a cue from the United States. So um, it, it'll be very interesting that the OEs in Europe are going to lose money on BEVs for the next decade you know, trying to make these emission uh, regulations. But the BEVs help them in the, in the whole offering to lower that, uh, that emission. Okay. That's right. So it's a fleet, right? It's a fleet average. And uh, so, you know, it, it very much like we did uh, some years ago when we, when we did the cafe laws mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you had to have a, a certain cafe number. Well, you, you, you produced a bunch of money losing really small cars with really small engines uh, to be able to get your 35 miles per gallon car or whatever so you could sell the balance. And that's exactly what's going on in, in Europe with electric now. And it's, I think, going to get stronger. The, I mean, the UK, the UK uh, announced... Uh, 
a, a complete ban on internal combustion gas and diesel engines as of uh, 2035. They, I think that when they first put it out, it was 2040. And now they pulled it forward to 2035. And um, Paris, or no, uh, Frank, France is still at 2040, no internal combustion engines. But Paris just blocked uh, internal uh, combustion cars uh, by 2030. Uh, and then China, interestingly enough, is not doing a nationwide ban yet uh, on ICEs, uh, but they are making really difficult. If you want to put a plant in to ramp production of an ICE uh, engine, that, that uh, that's a near impossibility, as I understand it, uh, in China right now. So I think, you know, government mandates might be the driver of BEV adoption uh, rather than consumer demand. But as I said in, in New York, you know, we certainly see some inflection points now on con- consumer demand coming up. Wow, so much to think about. I'm uh, I'm numb with what you just said <laughs> about uh, where the ICE is headed. Hey, it's Carm here. Today, I have a special message for Napa Auto Care Centers who are looking to take the next step in growing their business and partnership. Now, if you're ready to strive and take it to the next level, Napa invites you to consider... Gold Certification. Gold Certification is a premier tier of Napa Auto Care that recognizes repair shops with a higher level of participation in the Auto Care program. The program was built by Auto Care Centers for Auto Care Centers to provide a consistent consumer experience, maximize technology leverage, and reward Napa's most committed partners. When consumers visit a gold-certified auto care center, whether it's a small facility in a rural community or a multi-bay shop in a large metropolitan area, they can expect a first-class service repair experience. This includes a well-trained staff using today's technology and quality Napa parts in a comfortable, up-to-date facility. Customers at gold-certified shops will also enjoy an extended parts and labor warranty, valuable saving opportunities, along with access to credit to pay for needed repairs, and a whole lot more. Here's what you need to qualify for the program. First, you need to be an active auto care partner for at least 12 months and have a steady business presence in your market for at least two years. Then to become gold certified, it's necessary to meet specific requirements that chosen because they create the most consistent consumer experience and proven to generate the most significant results for auto care centers across the country. Some of these include using digital vehicle inspection, having at least one ASE Master Certified Technician, a co-branded exterior, and offer consumer financing through Napa Easy Pay. You must also be an active member of a business development group. Once your shop achieves gold certification, you'll receive a number of benefits, including priority placement on Napa's shop locator pages, an allowance for marketing funds, 3636 peace of mind and local labor coverage, access to auto tech training, Napa Tracks shop management system, smart sign digital menu board, and more. Talk with your servicing Napa store to find out everything you need to know about becoming a gold certified shop. So let's turn to the U.S. market, Derek. How do you see BEVs rolling out here? We've been lagging other countries for a number of reasons. I think that we all know the geography of the country, for one thing, simply makes the whole issue of battery range a tougher issue. We tend to live out further from city centers and commute in uh, more than European um, people do in their cities. Uh, So the range thing is a, a bigger issue here. Uh, I think the other issue is that we're a light truck and SUV country. 
of new car sales or light trucks in mm. this country. Wow. You know, so I, I think the adoption of BEVs will change once those vehicle designs uh, include electric drive. And so at, at Schwartz Advisors, we're, we're projecting a, a slower climb for the USA. Uh, we're showing something like a 16% BEV sale by uh, 2035 for this country. Well, uh, you know, you talk about pickups. Wow, pickups. I, I live in the country. That's all you see. Uh, I know you have a truck, right? Yes, I do. Pickups, SUVs. <laughs> uh, you, you talked about that in your presentation. Uh, w- what about sharing some of the information that you gave on Rivian and Byton? These are great, great examples. And I think, in fact, they are inflection points. So uh, the guy named R.J. Scouringe in Detroit, and I think somehow that, you know, RJ is a, is a genius. He, he came out of uh, MIT uh, and, you know, I don't know his full background, but I can tell you that he, this guy has done a tremendous job of attracting both people and investment for the Rivian uh, uh, company. So he, he has, he's attracted people like uh, uh, Mark Vanells, uh, who the, was the former uh, director of uh, engineering from McLaren. And, and Jeff Hammond, who, who is uh, the chief designer of the Jeep Cherokee and the Wrangler. Wow. So these guys are working for RJ now. And just to keep him paid, he raised uh, $2.85 billion. Was that B? And, uh, was that billion with a B? That's, that's, that's with a B. And uh, yeah, we have to watch it these days, right? Because uh, you hear there's <laughs> billions and trillions thrown <laughs> You got to keep track. But this is, bill, uh, you know, this is a billion dollar, almost $3 billion dollars. And the people putting it in uh, are Amazon and Ford and Cox Automotive and T. Rowe Price came in last year at the end of 2019, I think, with a, a $1.3 billion round. Hmm. Uh, and he, he went out to uh, normal Illinois and he bought the Mitsubishi plant that's out there. And I think that's a, I don't know, I think it's at least a $2 million square foot plant. It might be a three. And I just watched a video a couple of days ago on uh, where they are in converting that plant to produce Rivian trucks. And they're they're steamrolling up until the COVID-19 thing uh, has uh, has slowed them down. But, uh, you know, they're coming down the uh, the pike. Is, is so, so help me understand, is the Rivian electric? Oh, yes. So uh-huh. the Rivian is a battery electric uh, pickup truck. And it's a very unique design. Uh, you, you'll hear, you know, coming up here this year, more and more of the word skateboard uh, when it comes to electric uh, vehicles. And, you know, that's a platform that basically looks like a skateboard. It's a flat battery pack, very low. So the electric motors and the batteries are very low on the frame, which allows a lot of flexibility with, you know, what kind of body you put on. So Rivian can do a pickup truck variant. They have an SUV variant. But then Amazon comes along and invests $700 million in Rivian. It's a nice round figure. And they turn right around and they order 100,000 Amazon Prime delivery vans to be built on the skateboard platform. Uh, So, you know, you put $700 million in and then you boost your investment by ordering 100,000 vehicles. It's a pretty pretty good thing to do. So, you know, they've been... Uh, really good at putting this platform together. And, you know, we talk a lot about Tesla and and Tesla has been absolutely brilliant at establishing the BEV, not only as a viable product, but as a, as a really desirable uh, design, right? And their, their software is just so far out ahead of so many people. 
but they've understood the aspirational approach of Tesla owners who want to make the world a better place. You know, what's so cool about Tesla, Derek, is they started from scratch. They didn't, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. they didn't have that hamburger uh, model. Yep. Yeah. And, and to their credit, that that's a major advantage of, of, of building a, a con- you know, a completely brilliant electric drive vehicle because you don't have the design compromises in your way uh, that uh, adapting electric to an existing car, you don't just absolutely forces you to do. I think Rivian, though, is actually moving uh, from this aspirational thing uh, to make it inspirational. That's why I think it's a, an inflection point. So they're going to show how electric drive will take you off road. They're going to show contractors that you know, their pickup truck can power their tools uh, for the job. Uh, You know, they're going to make BEVs really multidimensional. And uh, I think that's, I think it's a turning point. So let's turn to Biden. You mentioned that Chinese company in your presentation as well. Yeah. And I used, I used Biden in that presentation because I just think it's, it's a, it's a really interesting story about how a couple of guys who really know the car industry and have been working at, uh, you know, brought this company up in the Chinese uh, atmosphere. And, you know, this, what I'm about to you know, say might, might change because of COVID-19 here and it, it might slow them down. But uh, they have been coming down the pike to do a 2020 launch of an all new SUV platform. It's called the M-Byte. It's an absolutely beautiful car, by the way. Uh, and they have designs uh, to bring that into the United States market in 2021. Again, you know, this may slow them down, but I don't think it'll stop them. So Daniel Kircher, uh, uh is a, a long history guy in in China. He's, he's like a you know what they call an old friend in China, right? He was managing director of Infinity China. He was president of Dong Feng, uh, who produces so many of the cars, you know, the, the brand name cars that you, you know in China. Uh, and then the, he was VP of sales of BMW Brilliance, which is the China arm of the you know, BMW production. So he's now running uh, Biden. And you know, they've, they've put together this platform, uh, again, kind of like Rivian, uh, where they have building blocks and uh, they have very substantial designs that have been crash tested and, you know, run through the whole base uh, to allow them to launch these cars. Uh, and I think, you know, I think we'll, we'll, we'll see them here in, in 2021. We might, we might see what happens now with COVID, but uh, you know, it's a good indication that several Chinese BEV companies, I think I mentioned in, uh, in New York, there are 486 companies registered in China to build electric drive cars, which is, you know, just, that's, that's crazy, obviously. And I also said that I thought that maybe 476 of those would go by the wayside, but 10 of them are going to be really viable. uh, And they're not going to stop at, at producing cars for the, you know, domestic market. So we'll see them here. Yeah. You you just need 10 strong ones, right? Yeah, exactly right. It's amazing. Uh, my, my thinking so far in this episode is the the momentum that you've helped describe that it is going to change our world, no doubt. And uh, of course, government getting involved, saying, "Hey, you got to do this." But wow, interesting. So, far. so, so one of the interesting points both you and Adam Jonas mentioned was a possible shift away from hybrid vehicles toward full BEVs in the future. Now, I think the aftermarket will like the growth of hybrids due to the complexity of the vehicles, but 
I don't know. Things move more to BEVs. That might be bad news for service shops. Exactly. And I, I think it is uh, a concern. I mean, it's a real concern, but I'd say that my thinking here on the split uh, has been evolving for a number of different reasons. I got real interested a few years ago, uh, you know, going to conferences and things and hearing companies like JCI, the battery division of JCI, uh, present at these conferences. And they had this very colorful chart uh, that showed their vision of what uh, batteries would be over the next 20 or 30 years. And, you know, basically what they were showing was that the almost the entire market, the, the market shifted to hybrids and, and pure ICEs and a little bit of, very little bit of plug-in hybrids and, you know, under 10% to 15%, I think, uh, of, of BEVs. So they banked the whole market going hybrid. And then, they put the battery division on the market and Brookfield part uh, Brookfield partners uh, from Toronto bought the company for $13.2 billion with a B. Is that a B for billion? Yeah, it's a B for billion, <laughs> right? Yep. Um, and so their battery range actually included um, lithium, or, I'm sorry, JCI's battery range actually included lithium ion batteries for BEVs, but the vast majority was, uh, associated with micro and, and mild hybrids. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're doing AGM batteries, they were doing enhanced uh, lead acid batteries, and they were they were doing, um, you know, micro and mild hybrids up to 48 volt uh, systems. So I began thinking about this and said, does that hold going forward? And, and what, what could come in to change that uh, scenario? And I think it's all about breakthroughs in BEV battery technology. So new range estimates today are, you know, Tesla's touting 400 miles. A number of other cars are, are touting 400 miles. Uh, I think that's a, a reality. It might be by battery size, uh, which you know, there's compromises there with the weight of the vehicle and whatever. But if you get 400 miles, that seems to be, you know, a magic point. I have actually been telling people that I think that fast charging is more important than actual range. So if, uh, you know, a lot of cars now, you can build up to like 80% range in about 30, under 30 minutes. But there are many reports now of applications, including graphene applications, allowing way faster uh, charging because they handle the heat better and and they have better connectivity inside the batteries. So if battery charging begins to approach the time it takes to fill your gas tank, you know, a four or five minute type of move. And it might be four or five minutes to get you 30% more range or 50% more range. And I'd say all, you know, all bets are off on hybrid growth. Yeah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, hybrids are expensive to produce for the, for the OEs. And uh, it might make them really hard to earn profits on from an OE standpoint. So, some of the things I think are lining up that would tell us that PEVs will have a larger share in the market at the expense of hybrid designs might be in the in the out years, might be not in the next five years, but in that five to ten year range, uh, I think that's probably what's shaping up here. So the magic thing is four hundred miles and uh, and a five minute charge. Oh my god. Yeah. So how about uh, BEV production capacity? Uh, are vehicle manufacturers really ramping up their BEV output? Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, um, 
you know, I, I speak at a, a lot of conferences on, sure. on technology change, and uh, I darn near have to update this presentation by the week uh, because, you know, every time I turn around, I hear another number. Just at the beginning of last year, the, the number we were using was that OEs had 90 billion with a B uh, invested in new BEV programs. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I heard the number 300 billion. Uh, and, you know, led by, led by Volkswagen in a big way. We, you know, Volkswagen has about 34 billion euros uh, uh, invested right now. So Tesla gets all the headlines and, and they probably should for leading the way, right? But uh, if you want to talk about scale, I think you need to talk about the VEW, or the VW uh, MEB program. Um, and I, I, I got to lay a little German on you here at CARM for MEB. Um, it actually stands for Modular Entrebes Baukasten. What? Uh, wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. And, yeah. Hey, last, my last name's Coffin, man. I'm, I'm all about the German. Right? <laughs> that was great. Say uh, that one more time, though. Modulara e Antriebs Baukasten. Uh, and if you translate that, uh, and you'll be very happy, I will, uh, it's a modular electric propulsion platform. <laughs> so it's, M-E-B. It's so it's another acronym we have to learn. Oh, boy. It is true. So the key is here that you know, they can mix and match components to configure different vehicle form factors. And, but the, I, I think the bigger story is that they're licensing the technology to other OEMs. So a, a lot of the stuff that you hear Ford talking about now, and maybe they're not talking about the VW content up front, uh, but in fact, Ford has bought into the MEB program with Volkswagen. Uh, so part of uh, at least Ford's future you know, electric drive uh, work will be coming off the MEB program. And VW is actually projecting 70 new BEV models to be introduced in the next 10 years. And they're talking about producing about 22 million vehicles in that, in that time. About 10 to 20% of the 22 million uh, in, in what they've been talking about at conferences and things are, are slated for the U.S. market. Well, you know, I thought uh, a few minutes ago my my mind was numb, and 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 it, it just it's amazing when you put the research together and then present it the way you do that it it really does help us understand, but at the same time I think shake us to the bone. So let me challenge your growth assumption a bit, Derek. Lots of people say that electric drive vehicles are not really the climate change savers that they're projected to be because the power to charge them is often generated by coal or other fossil fuels. So the vehicle might be clean, but its power source really isn't? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that that is a, a valid point. In fact, I had somebody, Carmen, after speaking at the Morgan Stanley conference, really get in my face after the thing and not, not angrily, but uh, he was really animated. And he said, you know, this whole electric drive thing is a, is a ruse. He said, you know, it, uh, you have to think about the power source and if it's coal, uh, you know, you're doing more to damage, you know, and, and, you know, went off on that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and there's no doubt, right. That there's, there are a lot of factors in figuring, you know, what we, we talk about the, the well to wheel, uh, greenhouse gas impact. Uh, so in other words, you know, what are you burning to, to make the electricity? And the BEV vehicle, uh, of course, on how it uses it. So yes, if you're burning coal, 
this is not a, a you know a totally clean proposition. Uh, if you're burning natural gas, it's a little bit better. If you're if you're doing your power from a, a hydro dam, uh, it's really clean. If you're doing it from renewables, it's it's really clean. The issue I think here is that a BEV vehicle doesn't pollute as it sits at a stop line, you know, idling. It doesn't increase uh, in a, its emission level as it accelerates. Uh, it doesn't put out a particulate level, and that's what the urban centers are really more concerned about, I think, than, than greenhouse gases. So, you know, I, I think that uh, we really don't talk about power sources and their relationship to climate change very consistently or very accurately. That's a, that's a whole other podcast. I understand it. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm glad to uh, join you one day just All to right. talk about sure. the whole climate change yeah. thing. Right. Uh, but I'm always, you know, really concerned about the scalability of renewable power sources like uh, solar and wind. And I, I don't think they handle the transportation industry, let alone the entire power grid. So if we really want to make a BEV a truly clean vehicle, uh, we would be generating all our power on nuclear designs, or maybe we'd be converting faster to, you know, hydrogen fuel cells. You know, you can go run for your two by four and hit me in the head now for saying that. But, uh, you know, Hyundai, Honda, Toyota, and just uh, recently, BMW are all stated that they're actively developing hydrogen fuel cell designs. In our projection model, we've had hydrogen fuel cell way low uh, just because of the overcomplication and the tankage issues and everything else. Uh, but you're, you know, you're seeing these four companies and some others uh, likely to join them. So, you know, we got to keep our eye on that because that is... Uh, you know, that, that handles the, the well to, to wheel situation. Uh, and, uh, you know, your, your emissions uh, is a small amount of water vapor. So uh, I think it could be a real thing. And it's, it's a 2040 to 2050 thing. Uh, but I think it's real. Well, I remember sitting in a, um, a Toyota Camry hydrogen fuel vehicle mm. a couple of years ago uh, at Apex. Beautiful car. Of course, I saw the water vapor coming out the other end. And I guess one of my questions is, as the technology continues to um, drive itself with uh, the electric vehicle, do you, do you foresee the, uh, the hydrogen technology improving also? I absolutely do. The hydrogen issue is probably more about uh, total infrastructure and your ability uh, to uh, access hydrogen for for the vehicles. Now, if you get into an electrolysis thing uh, that is is more efficient in the out years, that that changes that ball game too. So, uh, I think that that's just something that uh, we keep our eye on. But but I, I think it's very interesting that. You know, some folks, I, I think, that have not gone near it, like BMW, uh, have, have suddenly turned a corner and, and announced a hydrogen vehicle. And it's a, it's a very cool, from a tankage standpoint, it's a very cool looking uh, design. And, you know, people say, oh, you're, you're traveling around on a hydrogen bomb. Of course, no, none of that is true. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that's not an issue. But, you know, it's, uh, it's something to keep track of. Wow. Um, I see a couple of different podcasts coming out of this thing. I see climate <laughs> control, uh, uh, climate change, and, and, and hydrogen fuel cells. Wow. Um, a fabulous time uh, spending with you, as you always have been so kind to come and, and share not only your knowledge, 
but your research. Uh, great talking to you, Derek. Uh, we'll watch this BEV thing together. I so appreciate your time. Great to be with you as usual, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, man. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 